Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm a Fuda fan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at fudafan.com. Hello, my name is Cree, and I'm Admiral Cat on Instagram. Hi, I'm Elisa, and I'm Inky Rocks on just about everything. And this is episode 60. Thanks a lot. Obviously, we've got uh, four people uh, on the podcast today. So really exciting uh, episode, I believe, we're going to have. We actually had a completely different uh, show notes just a few days ago. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be, it's gonna be a, an exciting one, I think. Um, you know, before we head into the podcast, just to remind everybody, I think we did it last time as well. We do have an Instagram account also at Tokyo Inklings where we post a preview about each episode. So do give that a follow. Give us a shout. And yeah, uh, share with your friends. Um, all right. So now going right into the episode, because I think we're a bit short on time and uh, loaded on topics. Um, I want to start the, the episode by talking about some of the events that have been happening, uh, that are going to happen Um and I think it's really like uh, gearing up because we've had quite a slow spring for, for fountain pens, but it's finally gearing up to, to be a pretty exciting summer, I think. Last weekend, I went up to Karuizawa to see style art. And um, pre-COVID, they used to have this option where you could go out to Karuizawa to the station and you can have them pick you up and drive you to you know, the, their workshop. So, so you kind of have this like experience of, you know, get to the station, somebody drive you out. And I was like, oh, yeah, you drive out. Couldn't we just like take a bus there or something? Turns out the answer is no, because it's literally up in the mountains. You're like, don't know where you're going. And, um, you know, I, I went with a different friend who, who could drive us up there. But we got there. And of course, Cousin Sun was super, super friendly, uh, gave us a you know, kind of tour of his uh, workshop and yeah I don't want to dwell too much on this but one thing that I did get a sense of is you know just how excited he is to talk about fountain pen to to different people because he's been stuck up in the mountains for now almost three years right without anybody really to communicate to um so he, you know he's really uh wanting to go back out to you know overseas shows like SF as well and um he previewed to me uh, the new pen that he's going to to release. I, I don't think it has a name yet, but this pen takes the nib of the custom Urushi. So that's the size 30 18K nib. It's a, it's a very well-regarded nib. But if you know anything about Stylo Art's business model, they take pens, um, they, they buy the pens, and then they take the nibs off of those pens. And what he told me was that with the plastic pens, he didn't feel very bad about just chucking away the plastic pen bodies. However, given that the customer Rushi is a very nice pen, uh, you know, it's got lacquer application on it, and, and a lot of people love the customer Rushi already. So he said he was, you know, kind of, thinking, oh, what do I do with this body? Because it would be, in his words, motainai, or a waste. And I just throw away the body. And so he came up with a solution where he said, 
he's going to make a section for the custom urushi that fits pilot size 15 nibs and he's going to give them as an omake or a present to people who buy this new custom urushi size wooden pen that he makes. So essentially, you're getting two pens for the price of one. And, you know, I thought it was really interesting the way that, you know, they they came to this conclusion. Um, but yeah, the pens do look really, really nice. But still, I agree, it's a strange choice to use the custom Urushi. For, for the lower-end pens, or if you can call it 742, 743, a lower-end, but for those pens, you're mostly paying for the nib, and the rest is just, just plastic, right? For a custom Urushi, you're paying for high-quality Urushi over ebonite, I think, right? I think it's ebonite and the, uh, yeah, ebonite lining yeah. or something like that. So what I wonder is why wouldn't he, like, why custom erosion? I mean, if he wants larger nibs, why wouldn't he just go and get like Jova or Bok number eight size nibs? Wouldn't that be more cheaper? I don't know. Yeah, so he used to use Bok nibs actually in his very first pen. And we got to see some of the first things that he created. Um, and it's quite interesting how he got into pens. You know, hopefully one day we can maybe interview him but uh the the key is the quality of the nibs i think uh with the bach nibs he found that he was you know trying to tune them to adjust them but with pilot things just work so you know that's uh and i also remember maybe we talked about that before but i remember many years ago i went i saw uh, a for the first time at some event at Staya in Daikanyama. It was maybe like five years ago now. And at that time, they sold pens with nibs from Platinum and Sailor and Pilot. And they, at one point, I think fairly recently, he stopped selling pens with Sailor nibs and Platinum nibs and it's only Pilot. And I think he said, if I remember correctly, at tips that it, it was a quality difference. I mean, that, that seems to make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Pilot does just have superior quality. Um, they, they're just better nibs and, and for better prices, to be honest. So that was a stellar visit. I also learned a lot of other stuff from, you know, mainly talking about Urushi and stuff. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but it was definitely a fun trip. Um, I definitely suggest if people are interested at all in wooden handmade pens to go up and, uh, to see him and, you know, his tolerances are, are fantastic, and he's he's a really friendly, chatty guy, so definitely I'd recommend it. One little side note, and maybe this is going to apply to like five of our listeners, but if you are in Japan, in Japan, as we talked about last year, I think, there is this program where you can pay your income tax and your residence tax to, um, to a city and a countryside, basically, and you get a gift in return, and one of the participating like area is Karizawa. So if you can, if you pay a certain amount of your income tax in Karizawa, you can get a style art pen. And in the end, you end up just paying effectively 2,000 yen. So you can get, you can get a style art pen for effectively 2,000 yen. Mita Club used to do the same too. Yeah, they do the same too. Mm-hmm. And you got your first drip. Uh, yeah, the, my, drill, right? yeah, I got my, my drill log that way for mm-hmm. effectively 2000 Well, you, you are prepaying, so I mean, you could argue that you're losing out on potential like interest, but effectively the cost is 2000 yen. Yeah. Um, 
The second topic uh, that we have is actually something we should have probably talked about a few weeks ago, but um, but eagle-eyed Jacob had noticed and and put out on Twitter that Sailor's uh, or rather Plus's acquisition of Sailor is now complete. Yeah, so we've covered this topic extensively a while now, but just to quickly recap, so back in, I think, 2020, in July 2020, Sailor issued convertible bonds that PLUS bought. And as we said back then, the convertible bonds are basically bonds with a stock option attached to it. So you could either hold the bond to, to maturity and get coupons and your principal back, or you can, within a so-called conversion period, convert it to equity. And in the case of this convertible bond, the conversion period, it began about one year after it was issued, which is why PLUS for the first year couldn't convert, even if they wanted to. But then on top of that, I think as you mentioned before, in one of the disclosure uh, documents, it said that the agreement in principle was that PLUS would not convert until sailors both business divisions both the stationary division and the robotics division will be profitable for a whole financial year and as we said a few episodes back that actually happened last financial year so that condition was met so in last months plus finally converted so now the cb is gone and now plus has roughly 58 percent of sailors outstanding shares making them the the majority shareholder yeah, so, so technically this is not an acquisition, they're just a majority shareholder. But effectively, um, if PLUS wanted a certain direction, uh, that would just be met, right, just by by the numbers. Yeah, but they are they are in charge. They now call Sailor Kogaisha, right? It, it's, that's the relation now. But they also say that uh, they will let Sailor be independently managed, at least for now. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I've heard that story before, but I'm from Hong Kong, so. <laughs> All right. Um, jokes aside. Uh, yeah, actually, one thing that we noted before was that Sailor's robotic division seemed to be profitable while the pens were suffering, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we've obviously seen a lot of price increases. And I think my kind of take on this is, yeah, price increases kind of suck, Um Sailor needs to probably be more efficient in actually the manufacturing. But, you know, the numbers don't lie. They price increased. They are profitable now. Um, Is that the only reason? Probably not. But from the executive's perspective, that's probably a a huge uh, contributing factor, right? And yeah, Sailor was underpricing some of their pens previously. So I think the the trade-off is, you know, have price increase, but have Sailor exist, or not have the price increase and not have Sailor exist. Uh, I, I'd rather a world in which Sailor does exist. I don't have to buy all of their pens. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't, but I don't, I don't think the price increases were the only factor here. I think another one was Sailor's lineup was so confusing uh, originally. And not only did he have so many pens with effectively the same it's different name and same model, but also they were mostly like standard models, right? I think one thing we've seen for the last two years is the focus away from like, a standard lineup toward more and more like, special edition, limited editions. Like fewer and fewer people probably buy the black and gold, the burgundy pants. More and more people buy this month's special edition. 
Although I have to say, right after we said that, they came out with the Prophet Light, the Prophet Casual, and, and all true. of these like <laughs> random uh, models. But um, when I was talking with uh, hmm. Stellart, he seemed to think that actually the robotics division was the one that was causing them trouble. Now, Stellar has been in the industry for a long time, uh, so I'm guessing they have, you know, context within Sailor. And, and so that's really the first that I've heard, which frames the, the relationship between the robotics and the pens division in that way. I haven't looked back that many years. It's maybe possible that in the past the robotics division was not doing well. But what we know during the pandemic is that the robotics division did well because um, they supplied robots to a company that made um, syringes for vaccines. So, right. so, so they profited actually a lot from the pandemic. Right. Yeah, well, that makes sense. What do you think about the, the change of the logo? <laughs> um, we, we discussed this quite a while back. Um, I don't mind the change of the logo. Uh, I think the previous one is better. I don't mind the change of the logo that much. What I do mind is that they changed the design of the nib, but they didn't change it fully. So it's like a halfway between what it used to be and then they have this new logo. So they removed the words 1911 uh, above the anchor, but they kept this fancy scroll work. So, so I understand if they want to, you know, move it to a more simple design. All for that, but the way it is right now, it's kind of this. Um, uh, how should I say it? Have you ever watched? Um, have you ever watched uh, uh, that Dan Brown book that got turned into a movie? Ah, um, uh, yeah, Da Vinci. No. Yeah, the Da Vinci Code. And, um, and the Parisian officer asks the, the main character, what do you think about the Louvre? And the guy's like, oh, crap, what do I say? He says, I think it's nice. And the, the guy says, the police officer says, oh, it's a scar on the face of Paris. Right. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that to me. But, but you know, the Louvre, you, you don't say it's, it's ugly, right? Because it's not ugly. Um, but it just doesn't match. It doesn't match the the rest of the design. So I think I would like them to iterate on this again. In another hundred years or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully before that. Um, yeah, so we've got a another exciting event that's not happened, but will happen uh, in a couple of weeks, right? And that's Ink, Ink, Ink. I won't be going to Ink, 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 but I think some people among this group are. Of course. What, what do you think about its return after two years? I think it's going to sell out because I tried to get tickets and I had to get backup emails. I've got 100 emails in my inbox now with people canceling and then I go and try to fill and get that ticket and it's already taken and then someone else cancels and it's I think it's going to be long awaited and I think particularly for the Japanese because I, I don't know if you remember the ink 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 was more of foreigners yeah yes, foreign exactly. inks they weren't like all the local specialty inks so you can get like pelican and European inks and stuff so or yeah. the Philippines one that's yeah, very difficult to get and stuff yeah. like that so 
yeah, I think it's going to be gangbusters. Formula looks better this time because, as you said, back like the earlier Ink 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 events, there was more like standard inks as well. There weren't so many like special editions, right? It was you know the Ultramentis and Pelican and stuff you could buy any day mostly. Mm-hmm. There were a few like kind of rare ones. I remember I think they launched like Sailor Sailor Ink on Ink Ink Ink, but compared to the Ink Numa event, mm-hmm. it was kind of boring in that sense. It was just ink you can buy it. I managed to buy a basket full of ink, so I right. don't know. <laughs> right, but, but by comparison at the Ink Numa event, mm-hmm. you could finally buy all of those inks that you normally have to go like to Tottori and Hokkaido mm-hmm. and wherever for, right? But I think this year's Itoya Ink 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 is a little bit different because they seem to have gathered all kinds of like uh, either new releases or event Special exclusions. Editions, yeah. yeah, I saw for example there were three, two, three new taggings that I think they are announcing now for the first time at this. But we're also three years further along in the yeah. Inkanuma, so everybody's ink crazy now. Yeah. So. And I guess we we were expecting to come back as they already made this um, event like some weeks ago. The Ink Ink Itoya was it in uh, Shinjuku uh, Itoya Shinjuku. Ah yes. I think no, none of us could go. It was on a <clears throat> sorry. It was on a weekend, and um, it was kind of like oh, they lost one of the ink in the name, but they do it in a small scale in uh, one of their smaller itoya. So it was kind of um, a warm up for the comeback of the big uh, Ginza itoya. But it, it's just run really well, and it's run so that you know you can bring your own ink book in and just test all the inks, not even buy anything. And it's just an elegant venue, and they've got it set up really well. They've got, you know, all the water changing out and everything. It's just very well run, at least the last one was. So I think it's going to be a big hit. And it's very different, I think, from the normal ink shows where you can actually test. Like I said, you could test all the inks, bring your own ink book, and test all the inks and not buy anything if you want to, which I think a lot of people will do. And they usually bring, like, set up. You give, they give you one uh, deep pen and they right. set up uh, clean water and they change it all the exactly. time. So you just go deep, try, and then uh, clean your pen very fast, which is uh, very nice. But you almost have to be blind not to see that there is a, an ink trend in Japan for the past you know, almost five years now. Uh, at the previous, the 2020 Ink Ink Ink, they, they came out with, uh, I think, the first series of the, the Nezu line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't understand why they had to stop it for the last two years, given that everybody else um, continued their ink events with great success. You know, if anything, the ink numa has has gone even deeper, right? In the past two years, I feel like they kind of wasted two years. And I don't think it's a it's a matter of you know negotiating contracts because Mitsukoshi, when stationary station stars open they had an ink event too with all the regional inks but you have to subscribe and it was like three person at a time and you have 15 minutes of 30 minutes remember yeah. I, I did it so it was more like private uh, yeah you have like maybe 10 slots and you were in the middle in a small uh, area where there was a guy standing there and you were shopping with Akane and I was yeah. just trying some inks but it was quite strange as a setup but but there's nothing stopping them from you know yeah. getting the inks in or, or changing up the setup, and I just I, I do feel like they've wasted some time um, in having a two year lapse where they were effectively not part of the conversation. 
I wonder if it has something to do with the venue. If you remember the old Ink Ink Ink, and probably this one as well, it's in it always has event space. It's like a second basement floor. It's probably very bad ventilation down there. It might be the perfect place for a super spreader event, mm. right? But they, they had other events down there, right? I mean, in, in the in the meantime, they've had they like still keep their events. calendar, their diaries, like earlier uh, end of the year new uh, journal and diaries even and calendar. But maybe they're expecting the Inkinuma crowd to be crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be there, so it's crazy. <laughs> I guess they wouldn't be wrong no. if you're there. Exactly. <laughs> no argument here. And um, and again, jumping onto this ink trend, Jacob, you have several dip pens from an unlikely source. Well, do you mean the, the Iro Itsushi? So, yeah, we, I think we talked about them in the last episode, but that was before the product came out. So I think the official release date was the 20th, but a few days before, uh, many retailers started selling it. Um, I, I think on the 19th, I, on my way back home from I did some weekend work, I stopped by in Marazen and saw they had them in stock, so I bought one of each. Um, the display is very nice. I, I think that they, they did a very good job with the display, and you clearly see. We talked about that before the podcast, but you can clearly see, you know, how you're you're supposed to like dip it in ink, and then you have to dip it in water, and then it quickly becomes clean and ready to go again, and you dip it in another bottle, bottle of ink. So clearly, the selling point is that it's very easy to clean and it's very cheap, right? It, it's your Inkunuma like entry kit, right? So I think they do, did a good job with that. I think the product is, I don't know. It, it, so the nib is just a standard pilot. I think some people call them like the super quality nib. So basically the, exactly the same nib shape as in uh, Kakuno, Prera, and so on. Uh, different stamp, but exactly the same. And they stuck it on either a plastic body or a, a wooden body. And there's no feed and... It, the, according to the packaging, the nib is not removable and you should not even try because you're going to break it according to the product description, but you can easily remove it and um, I don't know. It doesn't work that well, I think. And, and the problem is that you dip it and you can write, especially with a medium nib, you can write like 10 characters and then it's dry again. So I understand why they're doing this. I understand why there's a, why there's a need for an affordable alternative to glass pens. They, they want to concurrence with Sailor, right? Yeah, but I don't think this is it. I also think I've heard similar complaints about Sailor's Hokuro that you, you dip it and you write 10 characters and then it, they dip it again. So I think the, the best solution to this is actually Kakimori's glass nib, right? That you can put onto traditional dip pens as well. Yeah, but the problem is that like with any glass nibs, the production doesn't seem to be able to, to scale, right? Right, but you know clearly they've been able to make metal ones. Um, yeah. I, 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 they're not as good, but the company of pilots design department of their manufacturing capabilities, I think it's uh, it's not outside the realm of possibility that they could make something a little bit better than, than what they've given us, considering what they've given us is uh, is a you know a holder with a kakano nib. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to see more of these from other manufacturers. I mean, now we've seen Sailor, now we've seen Pilot, so it's your turn, Platinum. 
All right, so moving on to the next topic, uh, which is, is something that we've discussed already quite at length, um, but I thought it was interesting. This just came out uh, a few days ago, actually, um, yeah, two days ago. We've discussed this narwhal uh, twisby thing. I don't know what to, to call it, um, but it's, yeah, I mean... This year, 2022, this is the year of drama. Um, but Twisby, just to recap for, for everybody's sake, Twisby had originally in, I think, March, released, or, or not released, but sent an email to their retailers saying that if they stock um, narwhal pens, then Twisby would no longer do business with them, or narwhal and moonmen. And so this obviously got a lot of retailers um, in a frenzy. Narwhal is an up-and-coming brand. Um, they seem to be fairly popular nowadays. But, um, but Twisby is, is a huge seller uh, in almost all markets, right? Even here in Japan, they're a huge seller. So we had Frank from Narwhal come onto the podcast, and he said, well, I found out just like everybody else on social media, and um, and nobody has been talking to us. And this was, I'd say, four weeks ago, right? Two days ago, Jacob, I sent you this um, this statement from Twisby, yeah. and then the next day, uh, Narwhal sent uh, pretty much the same statement. Um, but the difference being Twisby's statement was very much internal and just to the retailers, nothing public facing while Narwhal um, have had a joint statement. So the joint statement on uh, Narwhal pens can be found uh, on their Instagram page. I'll just read this Twisby one so we can comment a little bit about uh, what it says and you know, contrast it to the Narwhal uh, statement. So Twisby's says, Dear retailer, Twisby is pleased to announce that Twisby and Narwhal have settled their respective differences and concerns. Under the terms of the settlement, Twisby acknowledges that Narwhal has not violated any intellectual property rights of Twisby or any third party. Twisby's primary concern was Narwhal's use of the piston filler mechanism, which was the subject of U.S. patent number the number, titled Fountain Pen, issued to Theodore Kovacs on March 26, 19, uh, 1929. This patent expired on March 26, 1946. After reaching an understanding on the issue, Twisby has been convinced that its use of the terms knockoff, unethical, and design infringement concerning the narwhal pens was unfortunate and retracts those terms. Twisby and Narwhal agree the piston filler mechanism is available for anyone to use as a result of the expiration of the patent. Twisby apologizes for any confusion that may have been caused. And then there's a bunch of other stuff. What do you think about this statement? So I think if Twisby on their own had just changed their mind and, thought, and they just thought that they screwed up, I think they would have phrased this very differently. I think they would just have sent a 
and updates to the retailer saying that even if you buy narwhal pants, you can still you can you, you can still have a twist right. To me, the words settlement this sounds like there's been lawyers involved and this is an out of court settlement and like, and on the condition that Twisby admits that they they screwed up. Right? But but the caveat here is that. I don't know anything about law other than what I've seen on the TV show Suits, so take this with a big grain of salt, but that's my interpretation. Yeah, um, good thing I studied law and took the LSAT, but um, a lot of people have been concerned with Twisby's original statement saying, oh, isn't that illegal, isn't that anti-competitive? Uh, and that's definitively not the case. Um, it's not illegal uh, to have conditions um, that you want the, the retailers to meet in order to sell your product. So, for example, uh, you cannot sell multiple products unless they have their own dedicated display in a physical retail shop. So it's not illegal for Maltbond to say, I won't sell to you because you only have an online presence. And conditions like this are, met, uh, are made all the time. It would be impossible to have a Gucci store next to Adidas, even though they're having collaboration right now. Um, and it would be impossible to have a Louis Vuitton store next to, um, I don't know, ABC Mart, for example. This would just not happen because the manufacturers will have conditions upon uh, which the retailers have to meet in order to supply their products. So this is not new. And just to precise, ABC Mart is a sneaker like a... Sh sh yeah, it's, it's like Foot Locker. There would be no legal case uh, since Twisby wasn't suing Norwal, right? So there, there's no legal case in, um, in this anti-competitive measure. Do I think it's wrong? Yes. Uh, but is it legal? No. But how, how do we know that, for example, Norwal hasn't sued Twisby? So that's, I think, where it gets interesting. If you look at what's been retracted, I'm going to read this again. Twisby has been convinced that its use of the term knockoffs, unethical, and design infringement concerning narwhal fountain pens was unfortunate and retracts those terms. Mm -hmm. This is not an apology for what Twisby has said about narwhal. If it were, the statement would read, Twisby apologizes for the unfortunate use of these terms and therefore retracts them. Twisby is not happy about this statement the legal case that can be made is a defamation case, which uh, we just lived through a very high-profile defamation case recently. Um, so it would have been uh, theoretically um, acceptable for Twisby to just say, uh, given that there are design similarities, we decide to stop supplying um, pens to you know, retailers who carry Narwhal. That would have been 100% fine. It's the way that Twisby uh, went about doing this, um, which allowed, I think, Narwhal to gain the upper hand in these negotiations. So, so funnily enough, Twisby, I, I believe, looking at this, this, uh, this situation, looking at the statement, have actually shot themselves in the foot. If they had just been quiet about it, it would have, they would have been able to do what they wanted to do. But I, I listened to the episode when you interview Frank, and what I didn't get is like, how, the, how did it start? Because the patent is already 
uh, how to say, um, not out to date, but like uh, it's expired. Expire. So anyone can use it, except if you made a new patent with a new. Well, Twisby knew this. Twisby knows this. Uh, they're not stupid people, right? And in 2009, on Fountain Pen uh, Network, they were asked about if they had a new patent. And at that time, Speedy, the president, uh, or, or the owner, rather, said, no, there are no new patents. Uh, it's a free-for-all because the patent expired a long time ago. So, so Twisby is doing this deliberately, right? In, in my view. I, I don't know. I don't live in... I don't live in their heads, but, but you know, reading reading the the facts that are available, reading the comments that they have made throughout the years, it it seems like a one hundred percent anti competitive um, mindset. So so we don't have to. I think the the question of did Twisby know about the patent? Did they not know about the patent? I don't think that's actually relevant because it's been settled uh, in what they've already said many years ago in the past. But it's like, why, why do they... Uh, so, so, so why do they, they start this? I think they just see a low-cost um, piston-filling pen that poses a threat to their market share, and they, they don't like it. If there's no lawsuit, if there's no real pressure for them, why would they go so far as to, to retract the statements rather than just quietly change the policy? So this looks like a... This looks like Narwhal threatened to sue them. Right. Uh, as you said, right? So, so this looks like Narwhal threatened to sue them. And Twisby says, okay, we f***ed up. They consulted their own lawyers. Their lawyers said, you guys f***ed up. Oh, I'm not supposed to say it. You guys <laughs> fubbed up. <laughs> I just think they, they, they thought they were big enough and they could, they could bully people. I mean, they're big and Narwhal's small. And a lot of the retailers are very small. They live, you know, month to month keeping their their you know stock up so i think they tried the bullion thing and it didn't work and there's actually precedent for this in game theory so uh this is the you you are operating under the assumption that um the every actor here is rational but there is (laughs) there is a there's a strong um there's a strong reason for why market uh, monopolies would act irrationally in order to defend their market interests. Yeah. So, for example, if somebody else tried to get in on like the Amazon game, right? Amazon is not afraid to spend money to cut the competitor uh, as long as it means that they remain the dominant market share. So, this this has precedent um, in other business areas. It's it's not new, but Twisby overestimated their size. And their their market sway, and, and just and just the bad image they came across, you know, I mean, it wasn't like Narwhal was copying anything. They didn't really have a leg to stand. They didn't have a leg to stand on. So I just like I think they're they're big, you know. Twisby's a darling of the inexpensive pen world, and they ought to be. They're very good, but you know, they're not so good where they can act that way, and people are going to think it's okay. So I think their public image just got hurt a little bit, and that's why they backed down. Yeah, I think their public image got hurt a lot. Um, but I think given that, this statement is still quite tone deaf because this doesn't apologize for anything. It says, this, it says, Twisby apologizes for any confusion that may have been caused. There was no confusion that was caused. Nobody was confused. The original wording was clear enough. 
right? I mean, yeah, it's it's like, well, I'm sorry that you guys got you know butt hurt, um, but it's that's the way it is. So, anything else on this twist me drama? Only that we hope it's it's over now. Yeah, I hope it's over because I like both and I like both pens and I'd like to be able to buy them both. So, interestingly, uh, Twisby's statement kind of ends with, out of an abundance of caution for the avoidance of doubt, Twisby remains ready, willing, and able to supply your business with Twisby products, even though you may carry competing products, subject to the policies and procedures of Twisby. As such, policies and procedures may be modified from time to time at the sole discretion of Twisby. So, uh, yeah, I hope this is over, but, um, you know, time will tell. Now, there's a second piece of drama. The, the <laughs> drama of 2022. That, that, that we... So, so the Twisby stuff, Twisby normal stuff, we actually didn't plan on, on talking about today. But, uh, but this is the drama we did talk about, um, obviously, because I had uh, y'all preview this post. And that, that's about Wancher. Have you guys? Uh, okay, so so let's 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 uh, roll back a bit, give a little context. I think people who've been in Fountain Pens long enough have constantly heard these rumors about Wancher. Um, specifically, they sound shady. They're doing too good to be true things. Um, even the retailers that we talk to. Um, specifically, we talked to somebody who's very closely associated with the Tokyo International Pen Show about Wancher. So, hey, Wancher's not at the Tokyo International Pen Show. And they said, yeah, but we heard about them and we don't want to work with them. So there's a negative perception of Wancher, but at the same time, they supply a pretty interesting and unique products, uh, or at least they did. I think Wancher was really one of the first to do all of these super colorful, super glittery sailors uh, that were easily accessible to the Western market. Um, but yeah, they've, they've always been kind of shady. And Jacob, you and I have discussed this since forever, right? We, we've talked about this for, for a long time. All of us here have heard all various stories about Wancher. But it's hard to tell what's just rumors and conjectures, and it's very hard to find any any conclusive evidence. And on top of that, there's no single thing, I think, that Wancher has done, presumably done, that is so noteworthy or outrageous that it alone is worth talking about. Instead, it's the sum of the many small things that sort of leads to bad taste and and now you have done extensive research and uh, connected all the dots so the the difficulty of wancher is that nothing they've done is technically illegal right i mean there's one little part which i think is illegal but um, otherwise nothing they've done is so outrageously illegal that you know people need to clamp down on this um but i released so so i I did this research, spent two years researching Wancher and their, their branch companies. 
And, um, you know, my, I don't really have a conclusion. I don't have an agenda to, to conclude, oh, why is this or why is that? Um, but clearly they have some shady businesses. Um, let me highlight a few things so that we can talk about them on this uh, podcast. The first is their um, dream pen uh, campaign, their, their Kickstarter campaign, super, super popular, probably one of the most well-funded pen Kickstarters ever to exist um, in the history of Kickstarter. They seem to imply that this pen was you know, made in Japan. Uh, you have Urushi uh, pens at incredible prices. I think it's starting at like $300 or something like that. It's absolutely incredible price. This is the starting price of a sailor nowadays, right? Um, and turns out that these pens are not only not manufactured in Japan, um, there's actually some false marketing going on. So that, that's one. The second is their tenuous connection with Pensachi and how um, Pensachi is almost like another front for Wancher to funnel their low-moving inventory out of Japan. And then finally, I would say their connection to pen wing stationery and this fake makie stuff that really is only bought up by the Western market because uh, turns out their, their quote-unquote makie are really sticker flakes they can buy on Amazon for about 700 yen. So these three, I think, main... Um, Topics. Let, let's talk about them. Jacob. Have you all read the article, by the way? What do you, What do you think about this? Uh, well, we'll go in order. What, what do you think about this uh, Kickstarter thing? Because you backed it. Yeah, I, I backed it. Um, you got one? I, I got one. I eventually sold it, but that that has nothing to do with Vance. That's just me selling pants all the time. Um, what I recall was that it was a seemingly well-run campaign, and I didn't have any. If, complaint as such but what I remember which was one of the other things that kind of surprised me was that they at one point they didn't have enough gold nibs so they were supposed to you could choose to get a pen with a gold nib and that would be a jobo gold nib uh, but they didn't have enough of those jobo gold nibs <laughs> which you know stuff happens but then at the same time they announced they announced that they have come up with their own nibs. And the, the exact phrase was, with collaboration with fountain pen masters and nib masters in Osaka, Japan, the place of origin of many Japanese fountain pen companies throughout history, we have been researching about the specialty and features of vintage Japanese fountain pen nibs, especially nibs with ebonite feed. They are not outright saying that their new nibs are made in Japan. They are implying it. If you now go and read uh, various reviews, I see, you know, in one review here, someone says, Wanshu's um, nibs are in-house nibs made in Osaka. And another reviewer saying that this is an in-house nib. And like most Japanese nibs, it's finer than corresponding um, Western nibs. I think this is Wanshu's shtick that they never say outright that, that the products are made in Japan. They are implying that um, 
while in fact, as we know, most of the products are not. We know for a fact that the Shizuku glass pen is not made in Japan. We know for a fact that the eyedropper pens are not made in Japan. We know for a fact that some of the Rushi is not made in Japan. But they, their product descriptions, they imply that without going all the way to say that. And then the reviewers and bloggers draw that conclusion and end up it becomes sort of the truth. So one of the interesting uh, things which, which you talk about is this reviewer uh, ecosystem that they've built up with a lot of huge reviews, right? Like um, Fanatic, for example. And by the way, I, I sent Brad the article before publishing it. But, you know, on the Fanatic blog, he, he reviewed the Dream Pen, the Dream Urushi, True Urushi, whatever it's called. He says, when I think of Japanese and Urushi, dollar signs come into my head and that this um, true Rushi pen is a more affordable, uh, you know, way to get Japanese, like to, to, to get this. And, you know, there, there's no, uh, this specific part is not in the Kickstarter campaign, mm-hmm. but the Kickstarter campaign links to that review. And there's no effort on Wancho's part to really correct it and say, hey, you know, it's not actually made in Japan. One of the one of the um, product videos actually has an a, a voiceover uh, saying that the lacquer was done by uh, masters in Wajima, and this was the only time that they mentioned in the Kickstarter anything about you know specifically having Wajima craftspeople um, perform lacquer on the pen. But in an interview that they gave to receive funding to create this pen to a government-affiliated uh, financial organization or finance organization, they actually say that the ebonite is from Japan and then it's sent off to Taiwan to, to make into a body. And then at the same time, we send uh, these pens to Vietnam to have lacquer application done uh, in Vietnam. And look, Vietnam has long culture uh, with lacquer as well. Um, so I don't think it's, it's an issue of, you know, oh, Vietnamese lacquer versus Japanese lacquer versus Chinese lacquer versus Korean lacquer. I think, you know, each has their own style and, and it's, it's different. It's different. But the obsession to make it seem like it's made in Japan is just kind of dirty. And then something else that I was speaking to uh, Stellar about was, was Urushi, because Stellar has um, Urushi pens for sale. And so uh, they told me, you know, when they go up to Wajima, there's this, uh, you know, you, you can't just go up to a craft person and be like, hey, can you lacquer my pens? You actually have to go through an entire studio and there's a studio master who controls everything. And not only that, you know, each craftspeople, um, they don't work like Bakmondo, right? Like Bakmondo can do, you know, from start to finish. But these craftspeople just do one aspect. There, there's a craftsperson who only does polishing, right? Can you imagine? Your entire life is dedicated on just polishing the pen. Um, so, you know, when they say, you know, Wajima craftspeople, it would just be impossible for Wajima craftspeople to do this because that's just not their business model. This is not how, um, this is not how the the lacquer industry works there. 
And so it's great that they have Kickstarter backer updates about you know visiting Wajima, but I, I do think there would be nothing wrong with these pens if they were forthright about what they are. But I think in an attempt to elevate the perceived value, they've gone and um, deliberately uh, muddled the facts um, and turned things into hearsay that, oh, it's made in Japan, and then, you know, then it's not them who said it. They're kind of like Facebook in that way, right? I guess this kind of fishy when you... They, they sell something who is not the... They, they play with the word and a lot of adjective to... It's like buying fake, uh, I don't know, Gucci bags, you know, on, on an Italian market when you don't know anything about fashion industry and luxury and... You're a bit naive, and people are saying, yeah, it's really cheap. It's like 50, 50 euros or something. You're like, oh, nice. I never found a bag like this. But sometimes, of, of course, it's the customer um, uh, responsibility to, to look behind it. But when you are, I guess people trust a lot what's come from Japan. Like There's a brand. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, it's from Japan, so it's made in Japan. You make this uh, natural connection without thinking, mm, the price is quite cheap. Maybe something is not that transparent behind. Well, I'll give you an example, right? They were selling the Dream Pens for about $300. Um, I recently commissioned uh, a um, studio in Wajima to do lacquer on one of my 149s. For the base black lacquer, that cost $200. So... Let's assume you can make the ebonite pen for $50, which you probably can't. But let, let's assume you can. What kind of margins are you making on this pen? By the way, Kickstarter takes 30% of your, your profits. So it would just make zero financial sense to, to offer this. It's impossible, just on a numerical level. But second thing I want to talk about is their connection with Pensachi. And we actually mentioned Pensachi uh, once on, on this podcast. Uh, actually, it was the first time we had great you on the podcast. You mentioned Pensachi. Um, you, what, what did you think when you were reading this article about Pensachi? Were there things that um, kind of, I guess, were revealed to the surface? I don't know why, but from the beginning, I, I, I was following their account, and something seems not really, um, how to say. Uh, and normal. I don't know. It it was uh, maybe um, the way they, they try to sell it, the picture, and sometimes they put like limited edition, and I saw that they import, they buy some pen. Like a lot of people buy some pen from from the stationery shop, limited edition. We cannot uh, get easily outside of Japan, and they resell it with the profit, of course, because they make take took the time to go there and buy it. But Pensachi usually resell it with a very, very big um, uh, margin. You so mean discount? It, sorry? You mean discount or...? Uh, the, it depends on the models. Like the Pentonode one, they like almost double oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the price of the limited edition. Yeah. And other, they make like kind of cheap, like a discount. And, and yeah. some people contact me, some of the followers, like, what do you think of Pensachi? And it's like, seriously, I never order from them. I follow what they post like by curiosity but we got this discussion about their fake limited edition sometimes and for me it was like yeah it's not really on, uh, say, uh, honest and 
And because when you're outside Japan and you don't know what's going on, which shop really is limited edition, you so you see a new pen, new colors, and you just buy it because because you yeah you get in the trap because you never see this combination of colors and stuff, and they are just mixing part of pen together for the sailor, for example. And I don't know, it was a little bit uh, yeah. Don't want to go too close. There's a reason you guys have me on this podcast because I usually tend to disagree with everybody, and I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you guys very strongly. Um, I, I I totally see what you're saying, and I totally think that we probably need people like you to kind of keep people on the straight and narrow. But you guys are talking from a very privileged position. You're talking about pens that normally cost like a thousand dollars and to tell you the truth anything over 50 bucks is an expensive pen for the vast majority of the collectors i've bought from pensachi before even when i was in japan i bought the hawaiian ripe because they made a pen i like there's three things how much does it cost does it write well does it look pretty and it met all those so it doesn't mean that necessarily what they're offering is a bad thing if they're lying about it, sure. But in the end, many people can't afford an Urushi pen or an Ebonite pen. And they're offering something that people can maybe get a little taste of. That they just can't afford the 700 bucks for the cheapest Nakaya. So I think, and then even like the parts bin sailors that they put out, supposedly a special edition. Well, how is it any different than sailor putting together a parts bin pen? So I think it's important to point out some stuff to keep them on the straight and narrow and not outright lie. But on the other hand, the vast majority of people just don't have the access we do. If you don't buy it through Pensachi, who are you going to buy it through? You know, I mean, who are you going to be able to get other than, you know, another reseller or a second hand if you wanted to get any of these pens? And if I could have a nickel for every time somebody came on a DM and asked me to buy them a pen, I'd be rich. Because <laughs> everybody wants these pens, it's just not offered. So they are filling some sort of void. And for many people to tell someone that their you know, parts bin sailor is somehow not the real thing is a little bit elitist, I think. So I agree with you. And I, I think, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with you know moving slow-moving models. Well, um, it's obviously not slow-moving if they're able to sell it. Well, it's slow-moving you know? on, on Wantra's site at the Wantra price, but then if you move it to Pensachi, move it to a lower price or, or a more affordable price. Exactly, and get exactly. It out. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like slow-moving. It's they priced it too high. Well, I mean, it's slow-moving at the original price. Right? Yeah, they priced it too but high, yeah. I, I, agree, I agree with you that there, there's a place for a company like Pensachi to exist. Uh, what I think is is strange is how um, they're not forthright with that connection. So about but four years ago. But why do they need ago, to be? Why do they need to be? I mean, there's just a lot of companies that if you go and buy anything off of a grocery store, ConAgra probably owns it. You don't know that till you read the really fine print, and maybe not. You might have to go to their website. So is there a reason they need to show that, that connection? I, I think, like I said... You guys are like kind of on the case of just this one one company that is probably the only light at the end of the tunnel for many people in the West to be able to get an Asian pen. This is why you've had me on the, the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Because, no, no. Because, I, because I, you know, I, I, I lived in Hawaii and I lived in the States and, 
You could see stuff on Instagram, but you just couldn't get it. And Pensashi offered some chance to get it. Sure. I, I agree with the fact that it's uh, bring access to some pen that, like you said, the Hawaiian, um, the Hawaiian one. But I disagree with the fact when they try to sell something who is not, you know, who is a lie, like for the dream pen, like, like you, you have to, I guess when you, maybe it's too uh, uh, naive, but I don't, I don't, I don't appreciate the fact that you, people will fall in thinking they buy a made in Urushi pen for $300. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. But, but, you know, it's the same thing. I can't buy a Lamborghini for $10,000, you know? And it doesn't matter how much a company says this is a Lamborghini. You buy a Lamborghini for $10,000, you know, maybe you deserve that car. But I'm not saying that's a case. And, and certainly his article and what you guys' opinion is certainly right that we need to keep them on the straight and narrow so they're not outright lying. But apparently they're very good marketers. It's really hard to pin down that lie, you know. There's one more thing here, which I think you mentioned in, in the article. We have in the past asked retailers in Japan, why don't you sell overseas, including your own special editions? And the answer we got from the retailers was that even if it's special edition, as long as it has, you know, sales of Hylos own logo on it, you cannot sell it overseas. You can only sell it overseas if it's your, like, Pentanote or a Bombbox or whatever. So I'm not saying that this is the case here, but it's possible that because Wancher's sailor pants have sailor logos, have sailor nibs and so on, it's possible that they are not themselves allowed to sell these sailor pants overseas directly. And it's obvious that there's a connection between Wancher and Pensage. We don't know the nature of the connection, but we know that you know, the, the, the DHL the contract is the same. We know from LinkedIn, people are working for both companies. PayPal is the same. Yeah. Invoices are the same. We don't know the nature of the connection, but there is a connection. So it seems plausible that Wancher is using Pensage to sidestep that limitation that they cannot sell their own sailor pens overseas. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure they are. And that what that does is probably not something illegal. It's probably something against the actual being able to retail something. Mm. So, like I said, when they do their parts bins, you know, special Pensachi, you know, 18 different colors parts bin pen, you know, it's not really a sailor pen, but it is made of sailor parts or whatever. So, yeah, I think we're talking about they are walking that really fine line. They're not doing anything illegal. And it's probably really important to, to watch that and let people know. And like you were talking about the stickers on the Udushi, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty crappy, you know. And, and so they shouldn't be doing that. You call them out on it, you know. Because I think a lot of people don't understand that. But to tell you the truth, if I have, could not afford a Machia pen, mm. and somebody gave me a sticker thing and they told me it was stickers, but I thought it was pretty, I would like it want to buy it. As that's long funny. as exactly, as long as they tell you, and that's why I said that's yeah, the problem. This is that's the problem. problem. They don't tell but you. they don't actually come out and say it. You've found a couple instances where they might have let it slide. So they're just really smart about it, and that's just something that you know. It's probably good to tell your you know your subscribers that you need to be on the watch for this. That's definitely true, but I don't think necessarily it's in any way saying that they don't fill something within the fountain pen market, or that they're. They should be like shunned or banished or whatever because I think they fill a real need. No, no. no. The thing is, that I think they have to be transparent. 
and they are not. And, and you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if Twisby was transparent about what they did. I mean, companies do this. They walk a fine line to try to get a competitive edge. And that's and when they go across that line, people need to spank them, you know. At least and their I, pens are transparent. Yeah, and so you spank them a little bit, you know, and that's... That's good, you know. But on the same breath, I, I like my Hawaiian ripe, and nobody no, but else one, sold they, it, you know. I think they play with that. They release sometimes one of their limited edition, like a like a, a real one, the one they they select the part and the colors, and in between with Pensachi, they mix two or three pens together, and like yeah, this is another new limited edition, which. It's kind of fishy because it's. It is fishy. It is fishy, but it's not. It's not illegal. And there are people that want those pens, in particular, like me, especially when I'm living in the states and can't get a hold of but, you know. But pens. Alyssa, we're not saying that what they're doing is illegal, though. That that's the that's the key. They're they're not exactly. Doing you need to call them out on when they start crossing that line. And I think you know, saying like kind of confusing the whole whether or not it's Wajima Urushi. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of crappy. And they need to be called out. But you know, Twisby kind of crappy did something to Narwhal, and I'm still going to buy Twisby's. You know. I'm not like keeping myself away from Twi- Twisby. Somebody spanked them, and they like got back in line. So, so, so the last thing I think we want to conclude with, just because we're running out of time <laughs> as well, is is this idea of like mixing parts together. Um, I, I don't think that mixing parts together makes it any less of a sailor pen, no. right? I, I don't think I, I don't believe that. Unless you're a collector or something. Like if you're a sailor well, collector, then you want their actual yeah. special the price, right? the pri- They sell it like a limited one. But the, the, the issue is that um, as a seller selling to a, a product to a consumer where you, you deliberately confuse the consumer, you, you're selling them something that isn't as advertised or isn't as, you know, explicitly said right lying is is not necessarily outright you know saying that the sky is green yeah but but it's it's deliberately um misleading absolutely but but you know what precious resin that's misleading precious resin is plastic it's not mine from the base of mont blanc you know so uh, that is that lying so you know we can sit there and do that philosophical cutting and chopping but in the end when they stay on this side of the line they meet a need. When they start crossing that line, you spank them. Oh, I, I and heard. what you're doing, which is exactly what we need to do. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't exist. Twisby crossed that line. People spanked them. They went back on the other side. And that's exactly what, you know, if you buy from Pensachi or Wanter on that, take a look, read it carefully, make sure that what they're saying is true, ask them questions. If they don't give you a good answer, then don't buy it. But I, I still think they meet a need. I mean, you're just looking through and people are going, it's an ebonite pen. They're super excited. Get an ebonite pen for 300 bucks. I understand that. I understand that joy. Because, you know, a lot of people just can't shell out 800 bucks for an ebonite pen. What? Won't you be deceived? No, but they, it, like I said, you buy a Mont Blanc that's precious resin. Okay, that's so plastic. On the Mont Blanc thing, what I heard is that it's actually a translation, like like weirdness from German to English. So I wouldn't put too much stake on the Mont Blanc thing. I yeah, mean, but maybe it's still, it's, it's still, it could be too, it could not be too. Exactly the same thing you're saying about Pensachi. To me, it just flat out, Mont Blanc's nibs are worth it. Their design is worth it. I enjoy writing with them. I'll just put up with their stupid, you know, precious resin thing. I feel like a, I feel silly, but I'll put up with that. But in the end, it's plastic. And, you know, that's just really good, you know, really good marketing can cross over to lying. So, so the the Urushi stuff is like saying that the Wingsung plunger 
right, is a pilot 823. That, that to me is the same. And, and that's clearly unethical, right? Like, we, we can agree that you don't uh, call uh, a wing sung a pilot, right? right. Even though they, they might use the same nibs. Right. Those are pretty clear. Right? Yeah. Um, to me, the, the, the Urushi, the Wajima Urushi versus, you know, Vietnamese Urushi, whatever, that's the same. Right? Wing songs are not bad pens. Exactly. And, and I agree. The, the Vietnamese lacquer is excellent. But if they call it Wajima, it's a lie. Right. They need to be spanked. The, the parts bin thing is, you know, I'm saying that this is a, a you know, rare limited edition. It, this is, again, it's not true. Are these pens nice looking? Yes, I agree. I, I think the, the But cafe... they are rare. You can only buy them from Pensachi. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you that's know, the but case. if you're like a collector, then you're going to be aware of what Sailor puts out as a special edition. But if you're not a collector, I, like I said, I own a Hawaiian right. That is not a Sailor no, edition. That, that, that is. That is one. That is one. But even if it wasn't, I'd still like it. And to me, because I'm not a big Sailor collector, where I've got to have only Sailor, you know, approved special editions. I like it. It's worth the money to me or any other pen that looked like that. And you got to know about what you're buying. That That's the point yeah. here. Oh, I agree. And that, again, that's that's cut it close. And and when they go across the line, you know, they need to be called out. But that does not invalidate the whole company or their relationship with many, many pen owners. So so the conclusion of the article that I make <laughs> is is exactly actually what you say, right? Am I, am I here to tell you that Wencher is bad? No. I'm not here to tell you that Wencher is bad. I'm not here to say that, you know, um, that Pensachi should ex- exist. I-, I am saying that they should be forthright. They should be honest about what, oh, absolutely, what they're Absolutely, absolutely. But I think the, a lot of stuff, there's probably the only really thing that you can really nail them for is just calling the Wajima. You saw it somewhere, right, that they were called Wajima. Yeah, it was, it was on one of their videos. I mean, even the parts been mixing thing. I'm fine with them mixing parts, but you got to be... You gotta yeah. be honest. And about then that. they can also come out and say it's a Pensachi Special Edition Sailor. Well, you know? well it's, it's not really a Pensachi. It's a Pensachi Special. It's not Pensachi Special Edition. Sure, it is. If your company put it together, it's your special edition. You know, if it's a, it's a Pensachi, it's Pensachi Special Edition. I know we're cutting words here, but man, that's so much of marketing is cutting words. It is. You know, and you just got to be aware of which way it falls, which side it falls on. It is, and I, I think you've got to. But but you've also got to understand that when Pensachi is able to buy products from Wancher, let's say two products, mix them together to create their own special editions. First of all, it undercuts other companies, other retailers who are doing it the right way, right? Second of all, it actually also means that they don't have to pay on the you know special edition yeah. pricing yeah, that other wait, companies wait have minute, to pay. Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, that's that's other companies getting full up sailor. Sailor special editions, yeah. Right, yeah, and they cost more. Full ups, you know, a um, fake Mont Blanc is going to cost you, even if it's made from Mont Blanc parts. If you know, you know, Inky Rocks Mont Blanc comes along, and I put together parts from different Mont Blancs and sell it as Elisa's special edition. Yeah, it should. You're not paying a premium that you would for, to Mont Blanc, but I'm not calling it a Mont Blanc special edition. I'm calling it an Inky Rock special edition. Right, but this undercuts the other. Retailers and for sure, if you did that, well, you, you know, would get. No, no, no I, I don't. I don't agree with that because as long as the Pensachi Special Edition, where my problem runs into is where they undercut people is when they buy sailor pens, straight up regular sailor pens, and they sell them, and then people who actually have to pay a premium to carry that pen in, like the United States because they are actual authorized retailers, 
That's who they hurt. But that's literally what's happening with the not with the, the special edition. It, it is. It is. It's, it's, is. A spen, it's a Pensacci special edition. You know. <laughs> I get. For me, what I how I see this Pensacci limited edition is like the the stock they couldn't sell. But, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That's that's regardless. If you take trash and put gold on it and sell it, and people want to buy it. It doesn't matter that it's trash as long as you tell people it's trash. If it's your product, if, if it's your product, and it's a pen special then edition. If you are a reseller, what, exactly. What that's they're being... call, if they're if they're selling regular sailors that you can normally sell in the United States, and they're selling it at a cheaper price, which Engaika used to do all the time. If they're doing that, they are hurting the actual retailers. They're not hurting the retailers with these parts bins pens because they don't have those parts bins pens. The retailers in the United States can't sell them. So they're not in any way hurting them. They're not even selling the same product. Well, the retailers in the United States could mix like maroon parts and black parts and call it, I don't know, the... the exactly. Drama. They should be able to do that. I mean, if you've got a bunch of leftover things, we've got a bunch of leftover things here. This is our... I'm going to say... Let me just use my name so I don't trash anybody else's company. But if I got Inky Rock Special Edition, you know, sailors, because I have a bunch of black pens and a bunch of red pens, and I mix the two, and it's an Inky Rocks Special Edition, people who want black and red pens that are mixed will buy it. Am I hurting any other sailor that's a normal red pen or black pen? No. Yes, because no, sailor not. would not yes. sell to you. It doesn't matter. No, 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 no. no sailor does. did sell to me. Sailor did sell but to me. But they will not continue that relationship. But do you guys them. never buy anything from eBay? You never buy like a cheaper Please platinum? Yeah, but it doesn't change the product. You know what? The, the, the issue is that sailor wouldn't continue the relationship with a retailer that mixes parts. Okay, so why is Sailor selling to them? Because Sailor's because selling what? to Wancher, and Wancher's not mixing parts. Yeah, but Pensachi's yeah, mixing that, parts. Yeah, that's just that's that. You don't think they don't know? I think they don't know. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't think so. I think people who buy their pen buy their pens, and if they find out a retailer's doing something, they may or may not. I think they're particularly rough on retailers that are overseas. Those guys get hammered, and. A lot of people buy pens like on eBay and stuff for the exact same pen that you'll find on any online and they sell it for a lot cheaper on eBay. And that really undercuts uh, the people in the States, but the retailers in the States. But nobody ever seems to complain about that. I'm not saying that lying is lying and they shouldn't. But other than that, they fill a need and they fill a need that many, many other people are doing. You go on eBay and there's a gajillion Cheaper 3776s you can get for half the price you would get on any retailer because they're not going through an authorized retailer. What about those guys? I'm not sure people realize that Pensacci is just a reseller. Yeah. They, they may not. And so this is you guys' job to let them know that they are a reseller. But I don't think necessarily this is like the one driving thing that's going to make it where they're like, they don't meet a need. They meet a huge need. And I, and I, don't, I don't buy from them. I could care less what happens to it. But I just know that when you're outside of Japan, we have this kind of nice rose-tinted glass. You know, we can get all these pens that we want. We can get all kinds of different things. And people in the States are just seeing stuff over and over on social media. And it's just like, yeah, it can't get it, can't get it, can't get it. I just see that all the time. And when they do have an opportunity to get something, it's, you know, we got to make sure those guys stay in line, but uh, they do meet a need. Uh, it's where I think they deceive people because big people save money to get a limited edition from Japan, and they think they're buying it. But so, but see, but it's not just being elitist. It's not the real limited edition. It's the same thing. It's not the real Urushi. They got some sort of again. You're talking about like just 
that you can A, afford it, and B, you live here and have, is able to get it. You're not coming from the same point of view as 90% of the other people that are probably buying from Pensaci. Yeah, but when I used to live in Switzerland, I tried to get a pen here. Either I, if I knew someone who helped me, if I cannot buy okay, I cannot buy it, but... But that, I would be deceived if I buy a But But that's the seed if you only want, like, real Urushi. A lot of people just like the way Machier looks and so if it's a sticker. If they know it's a sticker... But then you can find some on AliExpress or something over. for 10 euros, you know, 10 dollars or 10 euros. So what, for me, what is not nice or, let's say, honest from them is, like, they are selling it as a real one or as a... T- and, again, yeah, they need to be called out on that. And that's what... So when you think... You guys think I'm, like saying that everything you're saying is not true, it is true, but I don't think it's at the emergency level you think it is. That it's one of the many things that are probably wrong with many different parts of resale and buying things online or buying things from another country. I think that's the whole thing about this like one-share sphere. No individual thing is really big enough to talk about on a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's only... The sum of it that makes it look it, it does, but then but then again again we're sitting here, you know, in this elite position where a we can afford these things. B sometimes people want a cheaper, crappier, you know, version yeah, but of something. Know, a cheaper and crappier version of something that they enjoy and it looks nice and they if can they afford it doesn't break the bank. And exactly when you say they gotta know is this is where he needs to call it out, but it does not invalidate their value. And, and so, so let's let's try to end the spiciest podcast episode <laughs> that we've That's ever had. You guys have me on. <laughs> let's try to end this, this very spicy episode. Um, I, I do actually conclude the article um, with you know, Wancher actually does a lot of good in in Oita. They actually do a lot of local community good. Uh, they they provide jobs to uh, a lot of people, a lot of students that come out of APU, um, and you know they they definitely have a place in in. Pensphere. They they introduced these special editions to a lot of uh, fountain pen lovers in the West who couldn't, as you said, rightly so, right? Like they, they couldn't access these these pens, and and Wancho was influential in in making these available. Actually, they're influential in the limited edition sevens we have now because they were really one of the first people to do sparkly, right? Like really ultra sparkly to do color blocking with purple rain. So so I'm not saying that they're you know. I'm not saying that they don't fill some kind of a, a hole or they, 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 they shouldn't exist. Um, but what I am saying is that, you know, when we buy from Wencho, we really have to do that extra bit of layer of research. And, um, and yeah, everybody has to choose for themselves. And they have to listen to you. They have to listen to your podcast and you'll <laughs> tell them, you know, where they're going wrong and where they need to get back in line. So that's a good plug for Tokyo Inklings. You need to listen to this podcast. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> you, heard, you heard it here first. Well, so I'm really interested in seeing how the pen community will, will react to your article. If this is something people care about or... If it's too much inside baseball, I, I can't tell. I don't know. I think ninety uh, percent of people won't really care. This, I mean, this is not gonna. This is not gonna be, you know, Nixon's Watergate, right? But it still needs to be done, though. And I think it's you know, it's not it's not wasted work. It needs to be done because when people do stuff like that, when they do start calling people out, when they cross that line, it keeps people in line. Yeah. Um, and with that, I think we <laughs> are done. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much uh, for you know uh, entertaining uh, 
this podcast. This is、uh, episode sixty of Tokyo Inklings. My name is Cy. You can find me on my website at Tokyo Station Pens, and that's also where you can find this very spicy article, and you can make your own <laughs> conclusion from that.、Uh, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Tokyo Station Pens, and you can find me on Twitter at Tokyo Station MNH. And my name is Jacob. I'm Fuller Fan on Instagram and on Twitter. I have a blog at fullerfan.com. Thanks for having me. My name is Cray, and you can find me on Instagram at miraikat. I'm Alisa from Inky Rocks、um, on, on everything. And our Instagram for this podcast is at Tokyo Inklings on Instagram. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.